Praise the Lord. And I thank God that uh, Jesus Christ is being praised all over this world today. He's not just a local Savior, not just a national Savior. He came to die for all men in all parts of the world. And we are thankful today to have the opportunity to hear already in Sunday school some th amazing things that God's been doing in, in uh, Brazil. And uh, we look forward to uh, what Tim Blazer is going to share with us here this morning as far as a morning message. And uh, we encourage you to come back again uh, tonight hear more about uh, how God's using these folks and what their, the ministry they're planning to go into as God takes them back to Brazil. At this time, Tim, would you come and open the Word of God for us this morning, please? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. If you would, take your Bible with me and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. This is the word of the Lord. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I don't know about you, but one of the most annoying things to me when I'm visiting somewhere and spending the night is waking up during the night to have to go to the bathroom and everything's dark and I don't know where I am. I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not. Uh, maybe you wake up and you're visiting someone's home and they have little kids and there's one of those nasty little Lego toys on the ground and you step on it and I think those are meant to really injure people. Well, light is a pretty crucial element of our existence, is it not? We depend on light to know where we're going. We depend on light to know where we are. Light is essential. We depend on it on a daily basis. We take it for granted. But light is so important. Without light, uh, we are lost. Without light, um, we end up from a spiritual perspective in a very dark and lost situation. Jesus is using this metaphor of light here to communicate something very important about the kingdom of God, about what it means to have been drawn out of darkness and placed into a new reality in light. So much so, Jesus tells these disciples, this group of people that is around him on this hillside, he tells them, you are the light of the world. So this morning, I want to work through this, this passage a little bit and help us really understand and wrap our minds around what it means for us to be light of the world. From a spiritual perspective, we can definitely say that the world is in darkness, can we not? If we look at the landscape of the world around us, we can say that the world is in a very, very dark place. It seems as though uh, the, the more we move ahead in history, that the farther and farther humankind distances itself from God. 
to me, it's self-evident that evolution is a myth. The reason that I see that it is a myth is that mankind is not getting better with the passing of time. The whole notion of evolution is that there is improvement and betterment. You could say certainly there's been improvement in technology and uh, economy and all of these kinds of things, but from a moral standpoint, man is much, much worse than he ever has been. He just is constantly further and further from God. Things have not improved. The opposite is, is the reality. Listen to some, some current news items from the last several weeks. A few weeks ago, nearly 80 people, including children, were killed in a terrific chemical attack in Syria. A few weeks ago, a, a terrorist drove a stolen truck into a crowd in Stockholm, Sweden, killing four and injuring 15. Suicide bombers in Iraq and Afghanistan seem to be almost a daily news bulletin. We have become calloused and desensitized to death, to tragedy. Immorality is at an all-time high in the world. I heard a recent statistic that nearly two-thirds of boys between the ages of 11 and 15 are addicted to pornography. That is a high statistic. Immorality is reigning. Values have become warped. Values have become inverted and downright perverted. And many Christians are panicking. We, we came to the States uh, a year ago. We're just finishing a year furlough right now. And as we came to the United States from Brazil, uh, we came right into the middle of uh, an election season. Uh, the campaign was full-blown. There was a lot of animosity. And I must say we faced a little bit of culture shock. Usually we face culture shock going to a, a foreign country, but we faced culture shock, my wife and I, as we came back to the United States um, after a term in Brazil. And one of the reasons we face culture shock, at least me personally, was that I found so many Christians to be so wrapped up in the political scene that they forgot who they were in Christ. They forgot their identity and they forgot their mission. As though somehow the political scene of the United States dictates or controls who we are and what we're to be about. It got so bad for myself personally that I got off of social media. Um, I was on Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Well, I completely got off of it because all I saw was fighting and just this constant onslaught of political stuff. And it reminded me once again that that is not who we are. I am not here to build a physical kingdom, but I am here to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And as someone who has been called to be light in the world, that means that I must be constantly engaging a dark world. I am living in a world. While we are not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world, we are in the world so that we can advance the name of Jesus and shine the light, as Jesus said, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden and like that lamp that is put on a stand that we don't cover with a bushel. 
And so what is the tendency when, when we face the things that we're facing in society today? The tendency is either for Christians to withdraw, to hide, surround themselves only with what they consider to be comfortable, or the other tendency is the opposite, is to become just like the world, to where values and uh, perspectives and philosophies are the same as the world, practices, behaviors, where there is no distinction. Well, we have called to be in the world to be light, but we are called to be separate, distinct, different from a dark world. We are light. So this morning, I want to take a few moments to just move through this passage and help us really understand what it means for us as followers of Jesus to be light of the world. Because as Jesus has sat on a hillside, and we know this passage as the Sermon on the Mount, he has moved onto a hillside and he sits down to begin to teach. There's a multitude there, as was common through a good amount of Jesus' ministry, a multitude, just a crowd of people curious and wanting to hear what he's talking about. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we really see Jesus laying out what it means to belong to the kingdom of heaven, what it means to truly be a part of the kingdom of God. And so when he addresses the people and he says, you are the light of the world, he's not talking to just those curious admirers out there in the crowd. Jesus is speaking directly to those who are his followers. Jesus is speaking to those who belong to the kingdom of heaven. So you are the light of the world. If at some point in your life you have responded in faith and trusted in Jesus Christ as the savior of your life, you would belong in this you. You are the light of the world. As Paul says, you have been rescued, or we have been rescued. We have been transported from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. We now belong to a different kingdom, not the kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of light. But what is light? I think if we look around, we can say, well, we see light in here. We see different types of light. There's indirect lighting. There's spotlights. But, but what is light? If you were to look up in a dictionary, light would be defined as something that makes things visible or affords illumination. Light is the radiance or illumination that comes from a particular source. It can be an illuminating agent or a source such as the sun, a lamp, or a beacon. And what are the functions of light? Pretty simple. Light exists to illuminate or to shine, to cast out darkness. Light can be used to reveal or to expose something. Um, if you're a little older than 15, 20 years, you know what it's like to take pictures with film and to have it developed. Well, light is important in order to reveal or to expose the negatives. We even use the expression that something has been brought to light, meaning that something has been exposed, something has been revealed. So when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, what is he talking about? Jesus uses an imperative here in this passage that is very important for us to wrap our minds around. Because Jesus doesn't say, you are the light of the world. And if you get a chance, when you're going about your daily business, try to shine a little light. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And in verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light 
shine. That is an imperative in the Greek. The, the verb is lampsato, which means to shine. And it comes um, from, from a word lampus, from which we get our English word lamp. Therefore, shine. It's an imperative. So what I want to do this morning is I want to answer five questions. I'll ask the questions, and then I'll answer them, try to answer them, to help us understand what it means for us to be light and how to shine light. First of all, what enables us to shine light, or how are we able to shine the light? The answer to that is that we must be connected to the source of light. We must be connected to the source of light. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the true light of the world. Read with me in John chapter 1, if you would. Gospel of John chapter 1. Our family loves reading this passage at the time of Advent as we're celebrating Christmas. John chapter 1. First few verses. says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pretty powerful words right there if you think about it. Jesus came into the world, the true light of the world. He came into a world where darkness covered the landscape of humanity. And this had been prophesied a long time before. If, if you read in the prophecies in Isaiah, we read of this coming Messiah who, who would come into darkness, who, who would move in a powerful way, bringing light where darkness was reigning. And we see this with the coming of Jesus, the living word of God, that he brings light. And the most powerful statement here, where it says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I think that is an important reminder for us as followers of Jesus to look at and to say, you know, the world is in darkness. But you know what? Darkness has not overcome the light. If you shine, or if you light a candle in the most dark of places, that light will radiate in an amazing way and provide illumination. Darkness has no power over light. Followers of Jesus, we are the light of the world because we are connected to the true source of light that is Jesus. John 3, verse 19 through 20, as Jesus talks to Nicodemus, he says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So how can we be, how can we shine the light? We, we shine the light by being connected to the source of light, and that is Jesus. Uh, the great reformer John Calvin used to say that um, followers of Jesus are like mirrors because we reflect his glory to, a, to the world. Let's think about that, that as we think about this concept of light. From a scientific perspective, there are, there are two different types of light. There, there's the sun that rises in the morning and sets in the evening. 
even though it, we know it doesn't really set, it's just the rotation of the world, right? Well, at night, there's this rock that kind of hovers out there in space and has light as well. It's the moon. But the light that comes from the moon is not its own light. It is merely reflecting the light it receives from the sun. In science, this is referred to as a luminous body and an illuminated body. The luminous body is that which has light in and of itself, and the illuminated body is that which receives light and merely reflects it to another. So we could say from a Christian perspective that we are illuminated bodies because we have received light from Jesus, the true source of light, and we now reflect that light to the world. It's not because you're good in and of yourself. It's not because somehow you're real special and Jesus says, you know what, Uh, you're the light of the world because you're awesome. No, Jesus is saying, you're the light of the world because you're my follower, you're connected to me. I have brought light into darkness. I heard a story of a man in India who once questioned a missionary in a very strange way about light. He said, he said, Mr. Missionary, why is it that your face radiates light? Do you put some kind of cream on your face, some kind of lotion? The missionary was very frustrated, and he said, no, I don't do anything different to my skin. The Indian, uh, the Indian man continued to prod a little bit, and he said, I'm sure you put something on your face. Every follower of Jesus that I know has the same shine coming from their face. And the missionary understood, and he said, well, it's really simple. It's not something that we put on the outside, but it's merely something that radiates from the inside out. It's the light of Jesus that has come to our lives. And in a very real way, we reflect light to the world. Uh, our attitudes, our actions, our, our words must be distinct, must be uniquely different because we are followers of Jesus, because we have had contact with the light. So we are not the source of light, but we are called to reflect the light. And the only way is by being connected to the source that is Jesus. And what motivates us? It's the next question. What motivates us to shine the light? Because something must motivate us. It's an intentional decision. Let me suggest to you that just as God spoke into the darkness and created the light in Genesis chapter 1 that in a very similar way, he has now spoken into the darkness of the moral landscape of the world and spoken light through his son, Jesus. Uh, There's a very interesting parallel between God's work of creation and God's work of redemption, where light has dawned and darkness is dispelled. But what motivates us to shine? And I say what motivates us is the work of the Spirit of God within us. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7, God said, I form light and create darkness. I am the Lord God who does these things. That word that is used there, I form, that that is the word yatsar in the Hebrew, which is the idea of molding or shaping, just like the potter, molds or shapes the clay, which we also see in Isaiah, that beautiful picture. But God is saying, I form light, I shape light. God is the one who is in control, and he's the one who is working and bringing light into the world. And as the Spirit of God works and moves in us through the work of sanctification and empowering us to live 
as the light of the world, we must understand that it's not of ourselves. It's because God is alive and working through us. But there must be a process of surrender whereby we step aside and let God work. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. It's almost ironic and humorous what Jesus is saying. I mean, think about the, the time period that Jesus is speaking to. This was, this was a world without electricity, right? So he's speaking to people that when it's nighttime, you light your oil lamp and you put it on a high place in your house so that it affords illumination to your living space. How absurd would it be for you to light a candle, set it on a stand, and then immediately cover it with a bucket or a basket? Jesus says, in the same way, you... Light of the world, you, my followers, you, kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, let your light shine. Don't hide yourself. Don't withdraw. Be engaged in a dark world. Shine the light. Reflect the glory of my son Jesus. This is what God is doing, what God is saying in and through us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the question is not, has the light reached you, but are you willing to let God reflect his light through your life. There has to be surrender. There has to be a willingness to let God work through his spirit. I haven't verified the, the veracity of this story, so uh, I'm sorry if this isn't a true story, but I thought it was cute. A little boy and his family were traveling on vacation in Europe, and as they traveled through, through Europe, they had the opportunity to visit some of the huge cathedrals from the Middle Ages. And if you've ever visited these huge cathedrals, you will have noticed what the little boy noticed. Beautiful stained glass windows hover high above within these cathedrals. I noticed this myself when I traveled a couple of years ago to Istanbul in Turkey. And as I went to Istanbul, I had the opportunity to visit the Hagia Sophia, which was a, a, a Christian worship temple built by Constantine um, and named after his wife. Well, that um, fell um, to the Muslims, and it became um, a mosque. Today, it is a museum. But still within the Hagia Sophia, you can look high up, and you will see stained glass windows depicting pictures um, of people or stories from Scripture. Well, this little boy, as he was traveling with his family, um, he just became enamored and taken back by the beauty and the majesty of these stained glass windows. And he paused and asked someone who the people were that were depicted in the stained glass. And the answer was, well, those are saints from the times of old. So a little boy, little boy remembered that, recorded that, and when he went home, he was in his Sunday school class at church, and his Sunday school teacher asked him what he liked the most about his trip. He said, oh, I, I loved those stained glass windows. They were so beautiful. They depicted these pictures of saints. The Sunday school teacher wondered if he knew what a saint was, and so she asked him, well, what is a saint? He said, well, a saint is merely someone through whom the light shines. And I would suggest to you that that is the truth. We are saints. We have been set apart. We have been called by God. And we are to let the light shine through us. It's an intentional decision. And Jesus 
tells us as an imperative, it's a command, let your light shine. But why should we let our light shine? It's a great question to ask. There's a, a number of different reasons, and I'll, at the end this morning, I'll get to the ultimate purpose, but the why is because our lives are always on display. You've probably heard the story or the metaphor of those who are in um, full-time Christian ministry, pastors, missionaries, that their families tend to live in a fishbowl. You've maybe heard that before, that everyone can look in and see their family, their life, evaluate, cast judgment on, and, and there's this feeling that you live in a fishbowl. But I would suggest to you that if you're a follower of Jesus, you live in a fishbowl. If people around you know that you're a Christian, know that you have faith in Jesus as your Savior, they're watching. They're listening to your words. They're observing your lifestyle. They're observing your behavior, your attitude. All of that speaks volumes to a dark, lost world. Our lives are always on display. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippian Christians in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. He said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul gets really practical here. He says, do all things without what? Complaining or murmuring? And then he immediately makes the connection about us living in a twisted, crooked, and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights. Think about this. Your complaining and your murmuring do not shine light. They do the very opposite. But we all have a tendency to do it, do we not? We complain about the struggles of life. We complain about being sick. We complain about getting up too early. We complain about this. We complain about that. And what does the world constantly hear through that? They hear that we don't have hope. They hear that we're, you know, pretty much the same as they are. When we wake up in the morning, we should wake up with joy that, that just radiates through us because of who we are as followers of Jesus. Because we have been re redeemed, we've been rescued, we have been forgiven. We have been given hope that exceeds these menial, small difficulties that we'll face in this life. So think about your words, think about your attitudes, think about how you live in the world, at your work, at, at home, in your neighborhood, amongst your family. Does the world see the light of Jesus shining through you? I've heard Christians complain at times, I do it, I've done it myself in the past, but for example, let's say you work in a, a secular job where, you know, there's a lot of foul language, where there's a lot of bad attitudes, where people are mistreated. It's very easy for Christians to become discouraged in those kinds of environments and say, wow, really wish I worked with some Christians, right? Wish I worked with some people like me. The reality is Jesus 
God has placed you right where you are so that you can be light in darkness. So remember that next time that you're discouraged or frustrated with your work environment or where you live or with the people that are around you. Remember that you are the light of the world and you have been placed there to radiate the glory of the gospel of Jesus. And so some people will say, well, my faith is a personal and private thing, right? That's baloney. Your faith is personal, yes. You must personally respond in faith to Jesus, but it is not private. There is no such thing as a private faith. That, that is something that the modern era of tolerance um, here in the United States and around the world is, is speaking to us, and we get this idea that we can't communicate our faith. We get this idea that we have to somehow hide out and we can't reflect Jesus any longer. But that's baloney. A, a faith that is private is no faith at all because faith radically changes everything about how we see the world. Let me finish up quickly here. I only got a couple minutes. How should we shine the light? Very practically, Jesus says, so let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We shine the light by doing good works. Very simple. We shine the light by doing good works. And good works aren't just merely those things that we do within the four walls of our church building. A lot of people think, well, I, I teach Sunday school class, so that's my good works. Well, well, good works is really anything that is done for the glory of God and for the good of fellow man. So, so when you encourage your neighbor by taking them over a plate of cookies when they're going through a difficult time, that's a good work. You know, when you're teaching your children in the ways of the Lord and passing on the faith to the next generation, that's a good work. So a good work is the way in which we shine the light. And we have been prepared for it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, You are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we know that our, our faith doesn't come through works, but he doesn't stop there. Paul continues and says, But you were created in Christ Jesus to do these things, or you were formed or prepared. God prepared these things well before we were even born that we would do them. Good works is a part of an expression of our faith. Last question, and then I'm done. What is the ultimate purpose of letting light shine? And I would say this is even the ultimate purpose of mission. Why we do mission. Why we are involved in global missions. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory or glorify your Father who is in heaven. The ultimate purpose of us shining light, of us doing good works, of us being engaged in mission is that God would be honored and glorified. It was John Piper who said a number of years ago that uh, missions exists because worship does not. And that's true. The ultimate purpose of missions isn't so that people can be saved from hell. That's a beautiful thing when they are. The beautiful thing that they have a hope of eternity. But the ultimate purpose is that people would become authentic worshipers of the one true God. That has always been the purpose of God's mission throughout all of human history since the fall. Is that he would redeem a people for himself and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about Jesus having died for all. And he says these words, 
that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised. Think about this. Jesus died for you that you would become a true worshiper of the one true God. Jesus died and rescued you so that you would no longer worship yourself and the created world, but you would worship the creator of heaven and earth. That is why we let our light shine. That is why we do missions. That is why it's so that God will receive the glory. And how does he receive the glory? He receives the glory when we point people to Christ. He receives the glory when people are rescued from the kingdom of darkness and radically saved and transformed. He receives the glory when people become authentic worshipers. He receives the glory when believers practice good works for his sake and for the good of others. So there you have it. We're called to be light. That looks a little different in different places, but ultimately it's about reflecting the glory of Jesus. It's about shining light on the story of redemption. Because the world is in darkness, the world is lost and in desperate, desperate need of a Savior. May our hearts be filled with compassion, as was Jesus when Jesus would look at the crowds. And in different passages, it says that he was moved with compassion because people were lost like sheep without a shepherd. Do you look at your neighbor that way? Your coworker? Do you see people who are in darkness, who are lost, or you just see a friend or a fellow coworker? How do you see the world? Because when light shines on darkness, it changes everything. It changes the way we see the world. So my challenge for you this morning is that you would get on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want me to shine your light today? How can I make a difference in my community, at my job, in my family today? That's the challenge, because you're the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transported us, translated us into the kingdom of your beloved Son. But God, help us not to hide that message. Help us to be like that city on a hill that radiates light and that lamp that is set high on a stand and gives light to all in the house. God, may our lives on a daily basis reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. May people see in our actions, hear through our words, and observe through our behavior that we are different. God, may we love like you love. May we see the world as you see them. May we understand that Jesus is the only hope, the only answer, and the one who can bring them into life. God, thank you for calling us to be a part of this mission, whether here in Cairo or whether in Brazil or to the ends of the earth. Thank you that you have given us this incredible privilege to be a part of this awesome mission. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.